You know? All right, fantastic. I'll tell you what, I could almost be done already right now, man. I feel like, man, this has been awesome already. Amen. So, hey, as we've been, as we've been reading in our Bibles, and, and I, again, I hadn't brought it up here for a while. This is our, our one-year Bible that we've been reading through all year. And, and you know, they're, uh, they're $13 for, for the regular print. And we have large prints that are um, $15. And, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't started with us, it doesn't matter that we're this far into the year. You just turn to today. And you start going with it. And you start reading it. You know, when's, you know when the best time to start reading your Bible is? <laughs> right now, yeah, absolutely. And I want to encourage you because I'll tell you what, when you read the Bible, it just starts coming alive. And, and the, a lot of books that you read are just dead. They're nothing special. But man, when I read this, he's, God speaks to me. You know, recently in the news, they're, you know, they made fun of Gover, uh, Vice President Pence because he said, God talks to me. Listen, if you're a Christian and God doesn't talk to you, we need to talk. Because God talks to me all the time. He speaks to me. I read his word and it opens up and it comes alive. If not, I'm just up here giving you empty words. This week, we got into, uh, we, we see exile happen. Israel got exiled out and, and, and we, went, we dove into Ezra and we... And, and Albert and I were talking about Ezra and, and some of the cool things on there. And, and, and brother, I wanted to preach it. But, but God said, he said, Nehemiah. <laughs> so we went with Nehemiah. But I want to read a couple things <clears throat> to you. Uh, we're going to talk about rebuilding the walls is what we're going to talk about today, rebuilding the walls. <clears throat> so cool. <clears throat> excuse me. the cool thing about Nehemiah, thank you so much, honey. The cool thing about Nehemiah is two things. Is one, when you see Ezra, you see the rebuilding of the temple starting, right? Ezra was a priest. And then when you see Nehemiah in there, he's a layman, right? And he's, God's going to use him to start rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. So let me take a little drink here and we're going to get going. Amen. So when I read Nehemiah, I can't get past a God of second chances. I can't get past that, and I, I read it, and God, it just says that, listen, I'm going to give you another chance, and, and that's the God that I, that I serve, and I'm glad we serve a God of second chances. I'm going to talk about these guys a little bit later. I, I read the prodigal son, and I see a God of second chances, all right? I, I read David, King David, and, and I see a God of second chances. I read about this guy named Saul. He's a God of second chances, all right? So a little background, just to give you an idea of Nehemiah. Um, the background of the book of Nehemiah is that 90 years earlier, the Jews returned to Israel. So they've been back in Israel, the remnant has, for 90 years from Babylon after being there for 70 years. So in Babylon for 70 years because of the judgment of God that came onto them. Um, they rebuilt the temple, but the city itself remained in ruins. And little by little, listen, little by little, the sins that brought their destruction in the first place start creeping back in. All right? So God used two people, Ezra and Nehemiah, that he sent in there. Ezra came about 13 years before Nehemiah came in. And, and then what happens is we see a joining of forces in between that. So a priest and a layman, and they're going to start really changing. And you, we, think that, we think that people can't make a difference. 
Two people made an incredible difference. Just two. And I want to go ahead and dive right into the word here and kind of get going. Uh, so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're just going to read the first four verses is all we're going to do, the first four verses. Um, when you go from 5 through 11, we get into Nehemiah's prayer. That's a sermon in itself right there. Um, but Nehemiah, in, in, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, Nehemiah, uh, it says, in the, in the month of Keslev, in the 20th year, I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanaiah, one of my brothers came to Judah with some of the men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And, they, and he says, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence in great trouble and distress. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for days, and I mourned, and I fasted, and I prayed. To the God of heaven. When we look at, at we look at, I, I look at the walls. I think the first thing of it is there's a cost of sin. Sin has a cost in our life. It's not free. It doesn't go unchecked. See, here's the problem with sin. And by the way, before we start calling which sin's a worse sin than another one, the Bible says to know to, to do right and not to do it that sin, by the way. That puts all of us in there. And, but the cost of sin is always heavy. And we've talked about this the last few weeks. About, you know, sin will take you farther than you're ever willing to go. And what happens is, is that when we get there, we find out the cost that i got to pay for, it's heavy. It's not a little cost on it. It's not something i got to worry about or anything else. It's going to be heavy. Understand about Jerusalem, first of all. Jerusalem was a marvel. People looked at it and they came from far and wide and they just see this beautiful city of God. Beautiful. And then you think about the temple. There's nothing like it anywhere. And we've been reading through our Bible and you can see all the care. God is a God of details. And you can see it as you're reading about as he, as he did the inside and the tables. Everything had a purpose and exactly it was beautiful. Incredible. God's blessing was evident on, on Israel. When they followed God, it said they had rest on all corners. But what happened was, is because of Israel's sin, they didn't follow God. And they, and they started turning to false gods. When God says, listen, if you do this, it ain't going to be pretty. I'm going to depart from you, and I'm going to have you swept away. And that's what's happened in this. So Israel's sin was great. And, and towards the end, you, you see a... You just see, you see a king that just loves God. And he tears down all the high places, all these places of false worship, tears them down, and you see the blessing of God that's on it. And, and I don't understand it. Sometimes the son comes in, or someone else, the brother, whoever that next king is going to be. And it's just like he says, man, I am going to one-up any guy that was before me and everything, and I'm going to see how much worse I can do it than the guy before me. And they go and they start doing this great sin and they start causing all of Israel to follow and worship false gods and do all these different things. And because of that, man, the fall is great. The fall's great. They were conquered. They were swept out to Babylon, right? And they've been destroyed. And I know I've had places in my life that God has just crushed me. 
And, and because I wasn't following him, he says, Jeff, I'm going to let you go a little farther. I'm going to let you go a little farther. And eventually he says, you know, Jeff, that's enough. My dad, if I got in trouble, um, I'll be honest with you, I got spanked. And my dad says, this hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I always had a hard time with that because I'm saying, no, dad, I'm pretty sure this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. But I didn't understand what he was really talking about. What he was really talking about was that this is hurting my heart because I, I love you and I don't want to discipline you, but I know this is better for you. And that's what God is going to do. That's what God does in our lives. Every now and then he has to do a little discipline. A little discipline in our life. See, sin has a cost. And we can't put God in the back seat. What happens is, is even as Christians, we want to walk and we've got to say, God, you know, I got this. You stay here. I'm going to go way over here because you don't want to see what I'm going to do, but I'm going to have a fun time. And we get over here and we start doing something and all of a sudden our world comes crashing down and we don't realize why. It's because we told God we don't need you. And then we get all the way over here and we're like, God, why'd you leave me? He goes, I didn't leave you. You ran from me. See, sin has a cost. We can't see God as an afterthought. We can't do that. But you know what happens is, when the walls come down, we recognize the walls have come down. See, sometimes we got to get in that point in our life where we've been broken down and God can do something with us. See, I want to read verses 3 and 4 to you again. It says, it says, those who survived the exile were back in the province were in great distress or, or were great in trouble and, and, and disgrace. And the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates had been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, he says, I sat down and I wept for days, and I mourned and I fasted. And I prayed to the God in heaven. You know, often, it's when I recognize the greatest troubles of my life that I see the disgrace that I've done. You know, I've seen the, 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 the people I've let down, the people I've hurt, the trouble I've caused. See, we're kind of a fecal people, little... How many of you guys want everybody to know the problems you guys have in your life? Uh, why, why don't I have a lot of hands going up? Why don't we like to have a lot of trouble? We like to tell people about the troubles that are happening in our life. See, we like to hide our sin. We like to hide our trouble. And we come into church, man, I'll tell you what, I've told you this before. Jenny and I, in the past, we've had some intense fellowship on the way to church. That's a fight for you guys, okay? And, and then we get into church, and it's like, hey, guys, hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, how are you guys doing? You know, we put on a happy face for church. We just didn't like each other 30 seconds ago very much, right? But all of a sudden now, you know, we're, hey, 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 baby, 
Hey, look at who's here, you know, kind of deal. And so, you know, we put on this face, but that's what we do. A lot of times we try, to, we try to hide our sin, and that's our first problem, by the way. We're trying to build up a false wall. Our walls have been crumbled. They've fallen down, and we, and we, we haven't recognized it. But eventually what happens is we're having trouble in our marriage. And everybody finds out we're having trouble in our marriage when they find out we're going through a divorce. We have problems with our kids, and everybody finds out that we're having problems with our kids is when they end up in jail. We have problems with drugs and alcohol, pornography. I can go on and on and on. And, and, and you know what? Our walls don't really come falling down until everybody else knows our problems. See, when we recognize our walls have come down, that's a good thing. Because if they're broken down and we realize they're broken down, we can start. I remember G.I. Joe when I was younger. And it was said, and he always said, and knowing is half the battle. Isn't that true? When I know that I'm in distress and my life's in trouble, that's a good thing because I can build from there. If I keep on living, putting on the facade, and I keep on trying to live in that hiding little spot and putting on a great world for everybody else, but yet when I'm, I'm crying and I'm weeping inside, I can't heal from that. I can't heal from that. Nehemiah knew that the walls of Jerusalem had been come down. You guys, listen, 90 years, the, the Israel had been back from Babylon. After 70 years being in Babylon in captivity, and all of a sudden this is a new story? Hey, tell me about, will, you, will you tell me about Israel? Tell me about the remnant? And he goes, listen, they're in disgrace, they're in trouble. Listen, the walls of Israel are down. The gates, the gates, they've been burned with fire. And now, Ezra says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for days. And I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God in heaven thinking, why? Nehemiah, why now? Why didn't we do that before it happened or, or when the walls came down? Why didn't we fall in? See, sometimes we have to recognize our situation. we got to realize that the walls have fallen down. Nehemiah, I think, has is, is, is come to him and said, listen, man, our sin was great before God and we got what we deserve, but Heavenly Father, today... Can we have a second chance? And he weeps and he mourns for it. See, we've got to come in those places in our lives as well. See, when I see my true state, not the one I show you, when I see my true state, that's when change happens. See, when I see my true state, that's when healing begins. Real healing. See, when I... This is the good part, right? When I see my true state, that's where God comes in. That's where God comes in and he comes into my life and he says, he says, Jeff, he goes, I've got something better for you. Make me Lord of your life and watch what I can do. Listen, you tried your own. Had that work out for you. You say, but listen... I've got everything I ever wanted, Jeff. I've got this, and i got this, and i got this. Then why is your marriage falling apart? Why is your company on the fringe of collapse? Why is it everything else? Because you put you in front of everything else. Why don't you have any friends that you can weep on? 
that you can open your heart onto because you've made something else. God says, try my way. Try my way. When I recognize that, I can start rebuilding the walls of my life. Nehemiah seen Israel's walls were down and he wept out to the Lord. Listen, it's like salvation. First of all, I've got to recognize I'm a sinner. And once I've recognized that, I've got a starting point. Then I can recognize that Jesus died for my sins. And I can put my trust, my belief in him. And I can follow him. And because of that, he says, I will save you. Save me for what? Save me from my sins. Save me from me. Listen, when I get to heaven, I don't get to go over there and say that, listen, but God, I was a pastor and I did this and I led people to Jesus Christ and everything because you know what? My righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. I don't care. You can get as clean as you want to get, but when you put you next to Christ, you are a filthy rag. But when I get to heaven, something really cool happens. When I get to heaven, I come in front of God the Father. He's not going to see my righteousness. He's going to see the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ on me. He's going to see Jesus Christ in me. He's going to give me that second chance. See, here's the thing. He desires to heal you. Jesus desires to have... Jesus desires to have healing in your life, to have fellowship with you. Listen, give it to him. You say, Jeff, what do you want me to give to him? You know what? I don't need to know. Just give it to him. Listen. Understand your walls have been knocked down. They don't have to stay down. Give it to him. I don't care what it is. I want you to know you carried it long enough. See, we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of second chances. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them of their sins. And I will heal their land. See, healing comes from Christ. That's where it comes from. Listen, I'm so glad I serve a God of second chances. I serve a God of second chances. The prodigal son... What a powerful story. Here's a guy that had everything. And he says, God, give me, he says, he says, give me what is mine. And he took it and he went out and spent it on alcohol and women. And he went out and he finds himself, he finds himself feeding pigs, starving, and looking down and going, man, here I'm, I'm debating, I'm filling my stomach with, with pig slop. When my dad back home, my father back home has food to spare, he goes, listen, I, I will humble myself and I'll come to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you and your family. I'm no fit to be your son anymore. Let me make me as one of your servants. That's not how God rolls. God says, God says, listen, he says, he goes, get, a, go, get one of her best robes, put it on him, put sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger. He goes, because today my son is alive. That's a God of second chances. David, David had a problem with his eyes. He couldn't see real well. He was up on top of the rooftop and he seen a gal that was bathing. Instead of bouncing his eyes away, he said, hey, I wonder what she's doing. And before you know it, he ended up calling her over, having an affair with her, and he kills her husband to cover his sin. 
And then he marries her. And the prophet Nathan comes out and starts talking about a guy that had one sheep. Just one sheep. And a guy had all kinds of sheep came over and he took them. Took that one sheep and killed him. And David says, this will not stand. He goes, we'll have this man's life. He says, David, that's you. And David fell down on his knees and he said, Lord, forgive me. And God gave him a second chance. He got this guy named Saul. Saul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. The best teachers. Zeal for God. Persecutor of the church. When the first martyr that we see is Stephen, and he's the one that they laid their clothes at his feet as he watched him stone him to death. On the road to Damascus, though, he came in contact with the Savior. And he was never the same after that. He says, listen, no longer you will name be Saul. You'll now be known as Paul. And God gave him a second chance. By the way, when you read your New Testament, Paul wrote a bunch of it. And I think about it. Ananias has to go and give Paul his sight back. And he says to God, he goes, God, don't you know who this is? He says, listen, I've showed Paul many things he has to suffer for my name. And Paul says, put me in. I want the second chance. See, just because you trust Christ as your Savior doesn't mean everything gets better. Listen, if I've sowed wicked for a long time, don't expect some wicked to keep on coming up out of the crops, right? But when I start sowing of Christ and I start sowing good, eventually it's going to start choking out those other weeds and I'm going to have a harvest and it's going to be a bounty because I serve a God of second chances. God sent Ezra to rebuild the temple and Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. God gave Israel a second chance. Listen, God's here today to rebuild the walls in your life. Listen, quit putting on the show. Humble yourself. Nehemiah fell down, it says. And he humbled himself and he wept to God. See, when you hit your knees, that's where God's at, by the way. If you read about Ezra, Ezra falls down, he tears his rope and says, listen, we have sinned greatly. When's the last time you fell to your knees for God? Well, Jeff, I don't want to do that because other people will see. Amen. That's good. Be an example for Jesus. Be an example. See, listen, God's here today to give you a second chance in your life. And you say, well, Jeff, listen, my life is, my life's going well. That's great. I'm so thankful. God's already gave you your second chance. Why don't you pray for some of these that need a second chance? See, prayer works. Prayer works. God says, listen, call out to me. Call out to me. Listen, you guys got to see baptisms this morning. We had someone trust Jesus as their Savior. It don't get any better than that. See, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Jesus, listen, if my whole job once I got saved was to go to heaven, why am I here? It's not. My job is to tell you about Jesus. 
to lead you in a close relationship with it, to, to help you when you're coming into it. By the way, you guys have the same job. Sounds just the preacher. Listen, I want everybody to stand. I want to give you guys a chance right now. Listen, are your walls tore down? Why don't you come to the guy that can help you rebuild them? Listen, you might be here today and you say that, listen, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Hey, we can fix that. Don't believe me, I'll show you from the Bible on how you can know that you're saved. And 1 John, it says, these things I've written unto you that you may know you have eternal life. We're not to go through life wishing or hoping. Hey, Jenny, if you die today, do you know if you go to heaven? See, that's what he wants. I talk to a lot of people and they say, well, I sure hope so. Well, let me tell you how you can know. Listen, is there people in you, you know are hurting? Come pray for them. Come pray for them. Band, will you guys go ahead and come on up? Listen, make today that day that those walls come back up. Make this the day that, that man, I feel like I'm pleading to you because I am. Because I know what's at the cross. It's forgiveness and healing. Listen, God can remember everything I ever did, but he says, I remember your sins no more. Cast them in the sea of his own forgetfulness. Do you want to be healed? Do you want your life to change? Today. Today's that day. Come on.